Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, welcome back to Conspira Normal. It's been a couple of weeks, and uh, got Luke back in the house. And uh, we've got uh, an interesting night planned for us tonight. Uh, I actually have not one, but two guests, kind of like what we did last week. But uh, one is in the studio, and the other is uh, on the computer, uh, as usual, via Skype. And uh, what we're going to do is is we're going to talk about... Um, an interesting subject that uh, we've talked about many times, and that is about basically, um, really wanted to say alien abduction, but it's more like alien contact. And I want to kind of get uh, a discussion going on with these two gentlemen about uh, kind of their experiences and then also their interpretations of it and uh, how their interpretation of it may differ and also how their interpretations may be the same. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, welcome to Conspira Normal. Thanks for having me, Adam. Real good to be back, Adam. All right. Absolutely great. You guys are actually both return guests. Uh, Michael, you were back on, I think, like episode 45, and Guy was one of our first guests back on episode 7. Awesome. So, so this is going to be like a battle royale for <laughs> the most interesting guest right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alien abductee smackdown. <laughs> well, my, 
Michael, I want to kind of just go and introduce you. You are the um, author of the Alien Gospels, and you also have a new book that we're going to speak about. Uh, But I kind of want to talk about uh, your credentials, and then I'll get Guy on here, and, uh, uh, you know, kind of like your background, and then uh, we'll get get guys on the same. Sure. Well, um, I'm a graduate of, uh, I got my Master's in Divinity degree at Union Theological Seminary in New York. I now serve a Unitarian Universalist congregation here in uh, uh, the Swannanoa Valley in Black Mountain, uh, North Carolina. Um, I, I'm a frequent guest, as you know, on Ancient Aliens, and uh, I just came back last month from speaking at the Edgar Casey's Ancient Mysteries um, conference there, which was really a lot of fun with Eric Van Donegan and uh, Giorgio from the show. And, um, wow. I mean, I could go on with, with other things. You know, I've been on your show. This is my second time, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. I was in Steven Spielberg's Abduction Diaries, which later became um, his uh, series Taken, um, The Real 4400, Coast to Coast, Shirley MacLaine show. I was regressed by the late Bud Hopkins when I first started having these contacts and uh, by the late Gene Mundy. So I got to know uh, both of them a little bit. And uh, I'm married. I have, uh, we have an eight-year-old daughter and, um, you know, just, just very fortunate and, and I'm very grateful for the life that I have. Right, well, let's bring Guy on. And uh, Guy, you are the... Uh if anybody haven't uh, listened to our previous show, but uh, you're an author of a book called Come Sail Away. Uh, you are also the founder of um, a group called Alien Resistance, uh, along with Joe Jordan. And you also have kind of your own experience, but I want to get to your, like, uh, you know, talk a little bit about you going to Roswell and organizing conferences sure. out there and people that you've had, you know, dealings with in the, in the kind of like the UFO community. Right on. I started out as a self-published author in the 90s, uh, before self-publishing was cool, I guess. Uh, I had my own childhood experiences with the entities, I guess. and But in my 20s, I became a Christian, uh, wasn't raised that way. And I was soon able, what I wrote about was kind of interpreting my experiences through a New Testament theology And I printed all of that on the internet before I even had a hard copy book. And one of the things I think that brought me to the forefront was back when Coast to Coast was done by Art Bell. I got a link from the old original ArtBell.com and it drove my traffic and hits through the roof. And I found myself basically in full-time ministry, but answering email, not because I went to school for it. Just I was getting all kinds of email from people after that kind of exposure, either they were really mad at me for bringing the serious subject of ufology and messing it up with religion, and then often Christians were mad at me for bringing something as wacky into ufology, into their theology. But after a couple years of answering a whole lot of email, I I kind of felt the calling and I got more and more interested in Roswell, New Mexico. I wound up moving there. I actually had some financial support from some some churches for what I was doing in the first couple of years. And as time went on, I opened up a storefront there, uh, the only, first, only location in Roswell, New Mexico, offering biblical perspectives on the UFO alien phenomena. 
And that just led to uh, conferences, getting uh, people I'd met in the field through there, and uh, probably six or seven really detailed conferences that I organized, including uh, well-known secular people such as Rich Dolan, John Greenwald, Dick Redfern, Steve Bassett, and some Christians that people may or may not have heard of, a Ph.D. theologian, expert in Hebrew. Uh, his talk on Zechariah Sitchin's work is one of our big popular works. And we did many conferences with different themes, different guests. And uh, the big honor, I was honored when the city of Roswell asked me to run the UFO festival there for him on the 60th anniversary in 2007. So I've been doing it so long and had such good rapport with a lot of important people in the field. They just felt I was a natural choice for running the conference, and that was a true pleasure. And you also had uh, your own conferences called the Ancient of Days and some of the people that that came and came to that. Yeah, all the Ancient of Days conferences were really originated by me and the people that I was affiliated with. And we invited all kinds of people. And the city of Roswell, they weren't uh, UFO culture or UFO conference people. They were city employees. Yeah. They were government employees. They did parks and rec and things like that. And when the city chose to organize and run the festival on their own. It was normally a grassroots event that just whoever was interested would pitch in and make it happen. But the city decided they could brand this and make a lot of money. And I got asked by the mayor's office to help them with the conferences because I had the connections and the rapport with all these people. Whatever their opinion was or their belief on the UFO phenomena, I'd been to so many conferences that I'd at least met them all and had a good rapport with them, even if we differed in our ideas. You know, that's stuff you can argue about at Denny's at three in the morning. But, yeah. you know, we just brought in people to hear out their point of view. I actually opened one of my biggest conferences by saying, um, we want you to tell me what your beliefs are and your research and your data, um, but not your dogma and your doctrine. You know, tell me why you believe what you believe and let that be convincing enough. For people, so they can walk away, hear many different sides, and make up their own mind about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I want to get on. Uh, so that kind of establishes, you know, who you guys are, um, where you guys, each one of you, is coming from. Uh, so what I want to hear now is, and I'm going to start with you, Michael, is your experiences. And we did talk a lot about that on the last show that you were on. Uh, but I want to kind of like briefly encapsulate, you know, the story there. And then like, kind of like, I know you've had like, you, you continue to have experiences. So I want to hear kind of about like that. And then I want to co kind of go on to Guy and get his, like what his experiences were. Sure. Well, um, when I was a child, um, I had, you know, I won't say imaginary friends, but I would always have these presences around me. And uh, and I used, I used to just see all these balls of light um, in my room. And I thought it was quite normal. Um, and I could see the auras around people and that kind of thing. And But I, I remember, you know, around six or seven, I would wake up at night and sometimes I'd have blood on my pillow. And I'd be like, well, where is that coming from? Is it is it my nose bleeding or is it my ear bleeding? And and then I later found out that it was, you know, it was bleeding from my nose. Um, right. But, uh, and, and, and I talk about in the book in December 1989 when I saw... Um, this being in my uh, in my room, and uh, um, and then it continued to happen. Like I, I think I said, every 
full and new moon, and I'm giving you the truncated version. And it's been happening until the present day. Now, the races that I have seen have changed. Uh, I used to see they weren't really gray. They were kind of chalk colored, but they had the stereotype of what we would call a gray with the you know, with the the, 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 the large head and the, 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 I used to call them Ray-Ban eyes and, and that kind of thing. And then I had had some encounters with some reptilian uh, uh, beings. And now I see more humanoid folk, more Nordic kind of people with these kind of monk, um, monk's robes and hoodies, if you will. And so that had been going on. And I had the blood clot that I, I think I, I may have talked to you about back in this past July, well, July of last year, and I had a blood clot, and they healed that for me. Um, so that kind of shaped my worldview. I was raised Baptist, uh, was not a science fiction person or anything like that, but after these contacts, I couldn't get enough information about the phenomenon itself, but also... Uh, it, it, you know, I was very interested in spirituality and religion, and they're not always the same things uh, for most people. And so I started saying, well, if these beings were here now, then they probably were here many, 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 many millennia ago. And so that's what led me on uh, the quest that I've been on, you know, uh, up to date led me to writing the books. I mean, when I was in seminary, I, I, I really didn't think that Union was going to allow me to do that. But I was really embraced by by my professors and what have you. And that took a lot of stress off of me. And so I later, um, th that my master's thesis became uh, my first book. I just added some of my own personal contact experiences to that. And, of course, just um, finishing my second book. Okay, Guy, I want to get your, um, you know, kind of your experiences of what happened with you. Yeah, similarly, I was a childhood experiencer of, of what I'm people today would call alien abduction. That's the filter, the societal lens and all that for it. But when I was born in 68, so usually around when I was 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 is when the bulk of anything happened to me. And I would have what seemed like either very real dreams or something else. You know, when you're that age, you don't have the verbiage for it. Mm -hmm. To distinguish between, yeah. you know. Yeah. I thought it was really happening, but I would like, in the morning, I'd tell my grandmother who lived with us that these giant big-eyed cats were holding me down, hmm. trying to eat me, for instance, and I'd be furious because she wouldn't believe me about it. And she'd say it was just a dream. Uh, the typical gray, like Michael described, couple of those, and honestly, a couple of the encounters, especially remembered in detail years later, uh, were sexual in nature. And that's, I don't always lead with that, but I, th I think Michael can handle it, and your listeners as well are used sure. to hearing this sort of, th sort of stuff. Um, one of the most vivid daytime experiences I remember was this large being that I would say looked like a praying mantis. Oh, wow. It, it, in my front yard, oh my. and I was just there, and he was teaching me or talking to me, or uh, not like I could say his lips moved, but I was so used to their presence by then, I, do, I knew I didn't like him, and I wrote about it more or less in these exact words, 
that I didn't like it, but I knew I was helpless and couldn't go anywhere. So mm-hmm. he just went through his whole teaching session and then he disappeared. But separate from nighttime dreams or nightmares or anything, that was the most um, vivid that I could record daytime waking experience. It happened in my front yard. When it was over, I just went back to playing or doing what a normal eight-year-old kid would be doing in his front yard. And I couldn't tell you what he said, but without any real background, and especially without the Internet way back then, um, not much was on television. I'm not even sure if uh, Spielberg's Close Encounters movie had come out then. That was around 73, so maybe I was five. Yeah, that was like 78. Yeah, it was Close Encounters. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't have the the lens of television or anything to define it for me. Um, generally speaking though, uh, for, in my experience, and I know this isn't everyone's, a lot of it was horrific. You know, if someone would say it was just a dream, you know, you'd, I'd respond now, no, it was a nightmare and I hope I never go through it again, (laughs) but I did. And I did, I sort of repressed the memories of it. I think Mm -hmm. in just that way our brains do with trauma and stuff like that. And I began remembering much more of it. Um, Actually, late 80s, after seeing the cover of Whitley Strieber's first book, yeah. I, I didn't want it in my house, actually, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and I finally read it. A roommate brought it over. but um, And then I started remembering everything. It took me a long, long time. And in my experience, I sort of lived with the stigma of I'd had this thing that happened to me, but I couldn't really tell anyone. Mm. And the couple of times I did... Boy, I mean, it cost me a girlfriend. It cost me a best friend. And I learned, uh, unfortunately, at at that age, at that level of society's familiarity or acceptance of these sort of things, that it was just, you know, my own little private burden. But, as Michael said, the the whole sci-fi thing, I turned into a passionate nut for it. You know, by the time I was in my teens and older than that, Everything, Star Trek, sci-fi, future. I mean, I could tell you how many moons each one of our planets had. I wanted to be the first guy on Mars. And actually, I drew a comic book when I was a kid. And darned if, looking back at that picture, I'm there, the first astronaut, planting the flag on Mars. And there's a little alien behind a rock, kind of waving and trying not to be seen. So, in, in a nutshell, mine were in a sense, tormenting and horrific. Yeah. And yeah. I know now the solution for, for stopping that sort of thing. But back then, it was just this secret I bore for the longest time. So pre-internet, I had a real high interest level in finding out and getting to the bottom of it. But there was nowhere to go then. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that in a lot of ways. I had... You know, I even you know, basically when I wrote this book, and God, I have you here. I have the the, the disclosure debate, the 60th uh, anniversary DVD. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So it's good to now I see you at least. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> With Steve Bassett. I um. Uh, yeah, I like Steve. Yeah, yeah, he's good people. I never met him, but I could just feel it from him. He's a wild man. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll... <laughs> He'll keep you talking for a long, long time if you let him. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, like right now, I'm 57 years old, and now I, I just started looking at Deep Space Nine. My my daughter and I watch it. She's eight years old. I went out and bought a couple of the seasons. I'm fascinated. Um, 
But I wasn't a big sci-fi person. But yeah, it's a loneliness because even when I went to a support group, there were there were people at various stages. You know, I, like like there were people in the support group in New York, all good people. But I had to leave the support group because I had to integrate it into my life. And you know, a lot of folks, that's all they talked about: morning, noon, and night. And you know, I still had to get up and brush my teeth and go to work in the morning. And I had other interests as well. So it was like trying to integrate it and, and you know, going to therapy and, and that kind of thing. Um, I, I do, and I, I mentioned this to Adam Guy earlier, you know, I, my experiences, at least from my regression and, and, and seeing them, they never come in the daytime to me for some reason, but they haven't been what I would call horrific or anything like that. But I'm not one of those people who believes that every being um, is my best friend. And right, that everybody that's... and I know some people who, you know, believe that. I mean, and I don't, you know, you can believe what you want to believe, but I mean, you know, it's just like people. Everybody you meet is not going to be your best friend. Everybody you meet is not going to be, you know, wants to sing Kumbaya with you. And, I, and I'm open to that with star visitors. I mean, all of them are not here to hold your hands and to raise your consciousness. Um, so I try to keep a balance and uh, I'm a pragmatist at heart. And just to keep that in mind, because a lot of this stuff, discernment is key. Yeah. I like what you said. That reminds me of, uh, like I said, I had no religious background at all, but when I was 18, 19, living on my own roommate, you know, friends, yeah, just kind of partying and stuff like that. Somebody uh, wanted to bring over a Ouija board. And Whoa. at that time, I had enough authority in the house to say, not no, but H-E double hockey sticks, no, you're not bringing it in. They're like, why? And I don't know where, I, where it came from. And I think, honestly, your word, discernment, I was like, well, you don't know what you're contacting. Exactly. And you only have what they're telling you yeah. to go by. Yeah. And why do you believe them? Yeah. You know, and I didn't want that in my house at the time. Yeah, yeah. Everybody and, who's not in a body is not smarter than you. Just because, you know what I mean, or because they've come from elsewhere. I think a lot of people give their power away very easily. Well, let me ask you a question, Michael, mm -hmm. and, and uh, this is directed towards you. But uh, uh, one thing about Ouija guy, you bring up Ouija boards, and that's like Luke's favorite subject ever. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. He just thinks it's just a bunch of buck. But anyway, uh, I. Why do you think, in in your interpretation of, you know, I mean, I know you, you don't you you've only just met Guy, but sure. you know, why do you think that his experiences were horrific and yours have seemed to have not been for the most part? Well, you know, that's a great question, and I'll have to be honest with you, I don't know. I, I know I don't you know, I know some people will say, well, yeah, well, if you, you know, you draw these beings to you, your vibrations lower and all that. I think that's hubris. I also think it's dangerous. Um, but I, I really don't know. Uh, the beings that I have been in contact with had uh, told. Now, first of all, I want to be clear. I was scared. You know what? I mean, I mean, right. Uh, yeah. uh, and, and even and, and I'll be honest with you, even. To tonight, you know, like I, I'm, I'm a little more used to it, but I would leave the light on till the very last minute 
before I go to sleep. And it's not so much because I'm afraid of them, but it is very jarring to wake up in the middle of the night. Now, my doors are locked. It's chilly. My windows are shut. And to see another being in your room, that gets your attention. And so, but, but getting back to your initial query, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, uh, did I have some painful things happen? Yeah, there, uh, uh, but I, but I could say to them, look, don't, you know, that, that's, you know, I had to put some boundaries and parameters around. I'll be more specific. Uh, when, when they first came to me, they used to paralyze me. And um, and they would they would talk to me in pictures, you know. It was they would show me pictures, and uh, sometimes I'd hear a voice, you know. And it was weird because it was like I had to to amplify, you know. In my ears were like amplified. I can't explain. It's like you're listening to a stereo, but their their mouths wouldn't move. And um, one time they stuck a needle in um, the back of my head where the the spot, you know, where my neck meets, you know, that little indentation in the back of your head. Right. Where, where the right. neck meets there, uh, the vertebrae. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it, you want to talk about a little bit of pain. And um, I, I, now afterwards, and they had left, my, you know, my intuitive, my psychic abilities were really, really heightened. But I was talking to a friend of mine who was a contactee. I said, man, that really got to me. And he said, well, you need to talk to them. You need to set some boundaries around this. And I was like, yeah, right, they're going to listen to me. But I, I, I surely did, and that just kind of never happened again. Um, but the proof is in the pudding. As a wise rabbi once said, by their fruits you shall know them. And so I just had a change, that, which, which was more an evolution. I live my life less fearfully. Uh, I'm more willing to say, I'm afraid, I love you, um, I'm, 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 I don't know. Um, you know, it, it felt like my spiritual growth was accelerated. And so the fright was worth it. And a lot of the fright was my own xenophobia. I mean, some of these uh, uh, brothers and sisters are very bizarre looking. And so um, I just watched how my life unfolded and how my life had changed for the better. Now, I did my own work. I mean, I went to therapy. I did workshops on communication and, you know, I was evolving spiritually uh, on my own, but it, it was it was like it was accelerated. And so I go by the works that that happened between myself and my and, and, and I, I, I look at them as friends. So I, I think that had a lot to do with it. But when I was in New York you know, and I was in one support group and Bud Hopkins was in another support group. He had his own group. And, you know, most of the people in Bud's group had had really traumatic experiences, sperm taken, uh, ovum taken, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, you know, anal probes. I mean, I mean, horrific stuff. And that to me, that was very real as well. And so I couldn't get be down with people who said, oh, well, they... They just drew that to them, or if they had a higher vibration. No, uh, th- th- there has to be room for both. So I just come out on, on on this end of the spectrum that you have to have discernment that some of these beings may be more benevolent than others, and um, you know it's 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 it, that's that's you can't control it to a degree. I know Guy said he he, he has a technique 
that's not the word he used, but you know, maybe you can control it. But um, you know, that's that's the proof was in the pudding for me about how my life had changed for the better. Well, let's talk about with you, guy, um, how you, and we did talk about this in the last show, but how you did come to stop it. Right. Yeah. And I was going to say before I forget, Michael, if um, when my, when Adam first asked you the question, the first thing out of your mouth, um, if you're trying to get me to like you, hearing the first thing out of your mouth be, I don't know, that makes me like you already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, it's so- in all the conferences I've gone to across the country, plus organized, everyone is trying to sell you on their view. And if you don't believe what's coming out of their mouth, you're just an idiot. Right, right. But as far as many of these people we've both dealt with. Yeah, I, I've been to those kind of conferences myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I appreciate it hearing hey, that. Thank you, you, brother. Sure. But, um,. One thing I didn't mention just came to mind is that when I was younger, like teenage and kind of realizing in 18, 19, 20 what had gone on with me, uh, I had read Whitley Strieber's book, and he pointed out that, and as, obviously you're familiar with uh, Bud's research. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you're probably the, all the rest of them, Dr. Mack, et cetera. Yeah. And Carla Turner is actually one of my favorites, too. But um, the research that I was able to get my hands on was showing me that the to a very high degree of commonality, all of the abductees yeah. that were having these horrific experiences in their 30s were all childhood experiencers. Yeah. And I was nowhere near my 30s at the time, and I was single, and really getting a girlfriend was probably the biggest thing on my mind then. Yeah. But I started corroborating, well, wait a minute. If this experience is going to happen to me again in my 30s, it's also probably going to happen to my spouse if what I'm reading in the abduction literature that's slowly being published um, is true. And it really created this moral quandary in me as that I wouldn't wish these experiences that I've been through on my worst enemy. So how could I invite someone else into my life knowing in the back of my mind what I was also bringing them into. And it was a big moral quandary as to whether, you know, when it comes to dating, pursuing girlfriends or anything like that on, well, if it gets here, should I tell them my experience? And at least morally, I would feel like they at least have a choice in the matter or should I keep it secret and then just simply subject them if it happened again. And, and in the final analysis, I decided that was selfish and it was dishonest and I couldn't be that way. And that's exactly what I meant when I finally did get close with someone and it started to share some of this, this cutting to the chase. It cost me a girlfriend. Yeah. (laughs) You know, kind of learned to shut up about it and Hmm. shelve it for a while. But a couple years later, a couple, three, four years go by and completely unrelated to anything UFO or alien Themed, I became a born-again Christian in my 20s. Yeah. Long story short, skip all that stuff. But um, And then I began to see that the messages, like I told you, the, the praying mantis, yeah. you know, it transferred some knowledge to me. And many of my experiences did result. And when I was a kid, I knew the wackiest things about you and your past lives. I could tell you stuff and whether you were a pirate or whatever like that. I mean, I was either a pathological liar or, you know, just making up stories about people. But 
the the doctrines and the teachings and the things that I believe that we would now call New Age. Yeah. In the seventies, you didn't have words like that yet, especially not if you were eight. Yes. <laughs> but the knowledge. So what I surmised later on from a very well, we'll, for the sake of argument, we'll say a very orthodox Christian perspective. Yeah. As I was learning and becoming a new Christian in that first year, I'm like, you know, I would read the phrase doctrines of devils. And like, holy cow, everything that I knew and believed, everything that was imparted to me by the beings that were my imaginary friends, I'm not laughing at you when you say that. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but everything that was imparted to me that made up what at the time was my belief system was diametrically 180 degrees opposed to what the Bible said about life, spirituality, God, Jesus, everything else. And in my own private interpretation, I just kind of made a, not a snap judgment, but brought myself to the conclusion, okay, well, I have been in communion with devils for much of my life. Yeah. Because their teachings and the things that I was an evangelist for were quite opposite of what the Bible says is truth. So I just had, really basically had to make a choice. Yeah. Either Christianity and the Bible were true and the beings were lying to me, or I could stick with what the beings were saying and chuck the whole Christianity thing along with the Bible. Right. And, yeah. it, and again, six, seven, eight years go by and I'm keeping my mouth shut. I have a private interpretation now that this is all doctrines of devils seducing spirits in the latter days, etc. You know, 1 Timothy 4. But that was, okay, my questions were answered. I felt good about it. Yeah. And according to the abduction literature, this wasn't going to happen again until my 30s. If it was truly demonic, fallen angels, whatever, Jesus said, I give unto you power over serpents and scorpions, yeah. over all the power of the enemy, nothing could harm you. I felt like I was okay. Yeah. And then I sailed along. I got a respectable job eventually, all this jazz. And you remember the Heaven's Gate cult suicide? Oh, yeah. When that happened, after years of keeping my beliefs about this topic to myself, for some unexplainable reason, I felt this huge sense of remorse, guilt, and shame that those people committed them committed suicide believing the doctrines of devils, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that if I had only shared or talked about, written down my beliefs, I'm you know, I'm not saying I could have saved those people by any means, but at that point in history, they all had the internet. In fact, Heaven's Gate, most of them were web designers for income back in the mid, mid-90s, mid to late 90s. Yeah. So, and what my solution is... Uh, I think the exact words I used were, I got me a web page and started writing. And I just put my beliefs out there yeah. on, here. here's my thesis on the whole thing. It included, the book Come Sail Away, is it's a mixture back and forth of my personal experiences yes. and then woven in with my New Testament thesis on where this is all going. Yeah. And so nothing happened spiritually, so to speak, in my 20s. But then, darned if, by the time I moved to Roswell, New Mexico, I did have two experiences. And by then, I was educated enough to where, and this is how we counsel people uh, in the future, when it's happening, in the name of Jesus Christ, you rebuke them and they leave. 
and I wound up hooked up online first, but then in person with uh, Joe Jordan. His work, he was a secular, you know, crystal-wearing, new-age UFO and abduction researcher. He was state section director for MUFON. Mm -hmm. And he, without having a Christian bias, came across a case of someone that stopped their abductions in the name of Jesus Christ. He looked into it, and then just using the scientific method, with one person after another, he found that this was observable, repeatable, and measurable. And that puts it in the realm of science. Yeah. But, you know, just cutting to the chase is that my conclusion and that of others since then is that if the entities flee in the name of Jesus, like if they're authentic flesh and blood extraterrestrials flying 90 billion light years to be here with superior technology that can hold you paralyzed, take you places against your will and do things to you, if that's authentic flesh and blood, they wouldn't give a you know rat's behind about you using some medieval incantation religious hocus pocus. It's it's not going to have any effect on them. Mm-hmm. the The proof we found in the pudding is if they can be rebuked in the name of Jesus Christ. Just logical deduction would lead to this is a spiritual phenomenon, and they're spiritual entities. It's not authentic flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. I'll cut off. I've rambled for a bit. <laughs> like Give it. Adam and Michael a turn. No, it was interesting. No, it was very interesting. Um, <laughs> say what, say Luke? Luke? It really... I like it every time you guys say proof in the pudding. <laughs> uh, yeah. no, it was, I mean, my, the woman I'm married to now, now I, um, uh, when I had initially, when I had my, my initial contacts, uh, you know, my wife at that time um you know, she was very open, and 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 you know, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Uh, but I went through the same thing. You know, we had stepped, we're still very good friends now, and, and the, uh, my wife now. She, when I first met her uh, on the first date, I told her, um, I said, you know, because we were we were obviously very attracted to each other, and I, I did tell her, I said, listen, if if you want to get involved, this is what comes with the package. That way, so she could have a choice. Good for you, yeah. because if the few times I've shared that, yeah, especially if it's been like in a public lecture forum, yeah. you would not believe how many people beeline their way up to me to tell me, you know, OMG, they have been living the exact same stigma and shame and didn't know how to what to do with it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you that you you were forthright. I had I to did. wrestle with I it did. myself. And, and you know, and, and also, I don't know if, if if it's still true, but I, I wouldn't. I would imagine it would be. But a lot of contactees have an extremely high divorce rate. Marriages, especially if one 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 person is is having the experiences and the other one isn't. Uh, it, You're familiar with the love bite phenomena, Eve Lorgen and all that. Yes. Uh, Steven Spielberg's taken actually. I remember uh, emailing, or I think it was AOL chat, when that particular scene happened in, in the TV series Taken. Yes. I, I contacted Eve. I'm like, are you watching this? She's like, yes, they contacted me. Why is it my name in the credits? You know, kind of kind of thing. The whole love bite thing. Yeah. The yeah. entities, you know, she describes psychic vampires and that they just feed off of anger, rejection, and fear. unrequited love. Yes. Yes. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a journey, especially, I mean, people have, you know, you, you know, 
post-traumatic stress uh, because of these things and um, because of, because of a lot of the contacts and what have you. So yeah, I uh, you know um, I I I've managed to integrate my experiences um, and enjoy my life, uh, but again I I have not had the traumatic experiences. I guess the fear and I guess having that 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 injection in the back of my head. But other than that, um, even under hypnosis, with people as skillful as Bud and as uh, Dr. Mundy, um, I guess I, I guess in some ways I've been fortunate. Right on. Well, let me ask you, um, guys, and I'm going to throw this one out to whoever wants to take it first. Uh, this is kind of the big question for me and the reason I wanted to get you guys together. Um is that Michael? You see this as a as a physical phenomenon, and guy, you see it as a spiritual phenomenon. Well, what I want to know is kind of like the root cause of the phenomenon, and you guys can. I think he wants to that. unpack that, or yeah. say maybe Go not ahead. so yeah, much I'm not, physical. I, Go ahead, sir. See, yeah. see, for me, I don't, I, I don't have that polarity. I think it's both end instead okay. of either or. Um, because the, the spirit, you know, and just, that's why I attract, this is what attracted me so much to the work of Dr. Mack when I met him in New York. And, um, you know, you know, it, for me, yes, they were physical. I mean, I could reach out and touch them. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they touched me. Uh, but, but it was the transformation that I went through, uh, which for me, for lack of a better word, it's a hackney term, but it's spiritual. Um, it was a cultivation of an inner life. Uh, for lack of a better word, so I, I wouldn't uh, classify, at least for me, as 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 strictly either or. Okay. Yeah, that's similar to what Doctor Mack said about the whole evolution of consciousness thing. Yeah. Are would you say you subscribe to that in the sense of, although it's horrific, the end result is X Y Z, therefore it is good. <laughs> Or therefore, it is necessary. Well, I, for me, it was. I want, I'm, I'm, I'm very clear to say that because everybody's had a different experience, and it, it, for, and, and, and horrific was too strong a word for me. I mean, I was scared. I had never seen these beings. They just materialized, and so mm-hmm. you know, my reality was shattered. And but the more frequent, the, the more frequent the visits became, and I started changing the way I, you know, the way I was looking at my life, the way you know my 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 neuroses, if you were my fears, my my belief in separation, that started to melt, and so a, a different paradigm had changed. So um, yeah, I would subscribe to to that, but I'm not saying that that's that's the formula. For everybody, because, you know, the part of it was how I chose to look at it as well. Um, you know, uh, I, I, that had a lot. I, For me, I think that had, had a lot to do with it, that I didn't look at myself as a victim. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah, I understand what you mean. I think we're, I guess where I somehow or other just made my own choice to draw the line mm-hmm. is that, not accounting for what Dr. Mack or anybody else's, I'd like to say, interpretation yes. of the end of the end result is. Yeah. To me, it came down to a matter of uh, whether it's consensual or not. Right. You know, if I can take you out of your bed 
and put you through six months of boot camp in the army, you will be a better person by the time it's over, sir. You know, <laughs> I sure would be, I'll tell you that. But <laughs> um, the question for me is, in all the abduction reports, all the literature, not just my experience, not just yours, choice and consent are, are never regarded. They're, they're, they're not, it's not given any place in it. This is what's happening to you. You're helpless to stop it. Yeah. And we, the entities, are in control of the end game. To where, and that leads a lot of even non-religious researchers to either David Jacobs, you know, you know, would be yeah. the perfect example, right. yeah. I guess, of, you know, we are their lab rats. And everything that's happening is, is <clears throat> even if you assume it's physical and alien, we are their lab rats. And everything that is happening is for their benefit, not for ours. If we happen to get some benefit out of the situation, fine, but that's not the intent. So the consensual matter of your will, about the best, uh, if rebuttal is even the right word, is that, and again, this calls for a personal choice on what you believe about life and God and the universe, is that what I'll hear people say is that, well, in a previous lifetime or in a previous incarnation, you did agree and give your consent to go through these experiences for the betterment of mankind, the evolution of the planet, kind of stuff that eventually just becomes new age mumbo jumbo to me nowadays. Yeah. The exact same stuff I used to espouse, probably, yeah. honestly, to tell you the truth. Yeah. But, but the non to me, the, the well, non-consensual well, you know, aspect that, of that it. That is what I was told. I just never... Are you there? Did something? Yeah. Yes, you can start over in a second. Um, hang on, they're fiddling with something. I think they. There was a. Michael, are you there? Can you? Yeah, hear me? yeah. There was a connection problem. Yeah, I think we're good. We're yeah. Good. Well, that that's what that's what I was told, um, um, and that it was just I I I didn't even they just volunteered that to me. Um, granted, there was a familiarity. I guess for me, guy, I just. And I think now, now a lot of this is by me being a man of color as well. But I just am very hypersensitive to when we draw, uh, collectively and individually, when we draw, they're all this way. And they're all I that agree. way. Yeah. And so that, that's my cultural thing and having experienced that. And so, for instance, when people say, well, what do they want? You know, I'll say, well, who, who is the they? Are yeah. you talking about the Nordics? Are you talking about the praying mantis? Who, you know, because, um, you know, they're very different. And, uh, so, so, I, and, and that's why I, as you've been very, you know, this has been your experience and it's been my experience. And we're very clear with that. And I like that. But I just can't say, well, all of them are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're demons or they're all of the devil. And, and, and then part of that is my, my belief in the way the universe works. I believe that in, 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 in all, in this, uh, call it the force of God, call it what you will. Um, but for me, that division, um, to me, I'll, I'll put it in, in blunt terms. Either God is God or God is not. And a lot of times there's this great scoreboard I picture sometimes with God six, the devil ten. And it's this, you know, this polarity, this split. And even Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. And so I kind of figure that, um, you know, for me, it has 
made me a more loving individual. Um, again, it's, 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 it's the barriers, whether they be theological or uh, cultural or, you know, maybe someone's tea party and I'm not. Those things, they don't really resonate. Not that they did in the first place, but it just reinforced that, that, that to go beyond the boundaries that we, that we put up with, with people on planet Earth. So that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm coming from. I think where I landed on that topic, and this is kind of research-driven, especially with uh, Joe's work, like I told you, Mm -hmm. or Joe Jordan online, there's over 100 case testimonies of people that have stopped the experience Mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, either in progress and in my case as a life pattern, is that whether you're talking about greys, mantises, Nordics, and as you were saying, I mean, a lot of people seem to see them as sort of one being is higher and better and more benevolent. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think a lot of the so-called promises of the Nordics are, well, Hey, Michael or Adam or anybody, and just insert name here, you know, um, if you align yourself with us Nordics, cause we're the good guys, uh, you know, it'll increase your own vibrational yada, yada. And the bad guys, the grays will, they'll have to leave you alone eventually. And, and, Honestly, I, from what I've heard, read, and talked to people face-to-face, that works. But then, stepping back a little further, I eventually came to view it as, wait a minute, this is called good cop, bad cop, is the way I've learned to look at it. Yeah. They're all on the same side. They have the same goal, but through the Hegelian dialectic, if you're listening on line you can google that one uh, yeah. Yeah. you know it's like you know well this is the result the government wants or this is the result that the spiritual entities want so if we introduce an enemy a boogeyman to the scenario yeah and let people get good and afraid of it they will sacrifice all their personal liberties and freedoms because we the benevolent good guy government can solve that problem for you. Yeah. Oh, guess what? They're all on the same side. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's where I really think it is. Yeah. When you get into the multi-dimension or the, the races, the, the multiple cosmologies, and we didn't even get back to the physical, spiritual question that Adam had, but. Well, I think this, well, I think this touches on it because, you know, who was it? Was it Einstein? Who was it that says basically the mo- one, not the most important question is, is the universe a friendly place? And, 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 and once, you know, once you get that kind of existential, um, you get over that kind of angst to the degree that we can being human beings, I think that that can be the template. For me, um, the universe is love. Um, now, can you measure that? No. But for me, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the way I live my life. The proof is in the people that uh, come into my life and come out of my life. And so it may be seem, it may seem very simple, but that has been the litmus test for me. And, um, because I can't, I don't know. I mean, these beings are from other, places. I, I'm, I'm using my earthbound logic. I don't see the big picture, but what I can do, and I would do this with another earth person, is that by their fruit, you'll know them. And, and so for me, they're not, at least the ones I've been in contact with, they're, they're not devils. 
I'm not saying there aren't any out there who aren't, uh, but that hasn't been my experience. And so as all I try to do is be, if your beliefs make you a more, a less fearful, a more holistic, a more integrated person, a more loving, more forgiving, more whole person, then that's what you go with. And, and, and for me, that has worked for the 57 years I've been on the planet. Because for me, that's the goal. The goal is to grow. The goal is to learn to love, to, to learn to forgive, to, 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 to realize that there are no boundaries, that there is a law of one, and that we're all interconnected. I mean, this is not new stuff. Uh, people were saying it. Buddha was saying this. Jesus is saying, I mean, this is not a new message, but it's a revolutionary message because we still don't get it yet. And so what I've learned to do is to get beyond this kind of us and them thing. And it's a paradox at the same time. I'm not so open that my brains are falling out that I'm just embracing everyone else. But it's about the, I'll know what you believe. And I'm not talking about you, anybody, by how you treat me. I'll learn. I know people who go to church and Bible study every Wednesday and they're in the mosque. And, and they're in, the, they're in the, the temple and all that. And some of them can be the most hateful, uh, uh, bigoted people that you've ever run across. But yet, they, they, they still practice their religion. But I'll know how and what an individual believes, just as they will with me, by how they treat me, by how they treat the planet, by how we treat each other. That's the, that's the biggest sermon you'll ever hear. Well, what I want to ask you guys is... Um, and this is something that's come up a lot in our show, and Luke, feel free to jump in on this. But that's the role of uh, like hallucinogenic or psychoactive drugs, like ayahuasca, and those kind of uh, those kind of things. And you know, what is a lot of people that have ayahuasca experiences? What are well talk about seeing uh, seeing beings? Um, that are very similar to the alien contact or the alien abduction phenomenon. Also, we had on not too long ago, a few months ago, um, we had on Nick Redfern, who had an interesting take on like the Barney and Betty Hill abduction case, and also about a, another case where it was like there was a use of a hallucinogen called BZ. Um, it, to me, it almost lends like um, th- th- it lends that it's that it's an internal phenomenon and not one that's external. And I just kind of want to get kind of like your gentleman's like you know um, feelings on that. Without knowing a ton about the the, st- I know that's one of your favorite topics, and you know since I've known you in person yeah. in the last few years, and I really don't know a ton about it other than that research exists. You take this drug, you will see these entities, and you will have this experience. I know that's similar stuff. Yeah, that's documented. But I kind of go with what what you said on the whether it's internal or not. I love the pioneers of what we would call ufology today, both Jacques Vallée and J. Allen Hynek. They actually spoke before the UN. Uh, right before a major war broke out and changed the topic <laughs> from their UFO research, that um, Valet described the the physical nuts and bolts UFO experience as well as the close encounter. You know, they invented or he invented um, Heineck, the CE one two three four system. Right. Yeah. 
as the the actual words I've used this a couple times I could actually pull it up for you in his book as it's an induced hallucination it really does happen to the experiencer but it doesn't happen in 3D space time the way you the rest of us here are looking around this room right because like you were saying like the praying mantis was in your front yard and like you know I'm sure cars would have been crashing everywhere if they saw a praying mantis yeah if my parents are looking out the window or something like that and to me, that's actually boils down to the biblical view of, I lo- I'm funny the way you said, um, I'll skip that now, I'm sorry, but the biblical view on angels, when they materialize, you know, or are they really here? But all of the visions in the Bible and all the appearances of angels, they so overlap the UFO alien abduction phenomena, even like certain details of like the four of us are in this room, we're all seeing the same thing, and we're all experiencing the same thing. But if an angel showed up, or like the case you're talking about in my yard, that experience was really happening to me, but it wasn't so much happening to those around me. It's very selective to where yeah. the angels have the power. Yeah. And I, w- I would include fallen angels have the power to it's a real experience that happens to the one to the experiencer, just like John, the entire book of Revelation is nothing but a vision. But I, as a Christian, am not going to say, oh, John, that was just a dream. That didn't really happen to you, Ezekiel and Isaiah. Oh, you went to the throne room of God, did you? No, no, especially as even halfway Orthodox Christians. Nobody says that their experiences were hallucinations, and they don't discount them even though the Bible records dreams as real experiences. I mean, the wise men being war- warned in a dream by an angel, all that stuff. Yeah. And that's that's a slightly different topic. It, it just brought me back to my experience with all the conferences and decade in Roswell and all this, is it always, if you're an experiencer of this phenomena, good guys are bad guys, good cops are bad cops, whatever label we can throw around, and I, I try not to, honestly, is that it always comes down to your belief about God in the Bible. That's what they're trying to most influence or most change. And when I said earlier, like, hey, you experiencer, in a previous life or in between lives, you agreed to go through this experience for the betterment of mankind and the planet. If you choose to believe that and it brings you a measure of peace and comfort and makes you less fearful, eventually you'll embrace the experience and go with it. But my answer to that is going to be, you know, oh, before this life you chose that, and in another life you agreed or something. Well, the Bible says it is appointed to men once to die, and after that the judgment. Reincarnation is not true in my belief of how to of Christianity. And it always, always causes you to redefine your view of God and the Bible. It, you know, it's one side or another. You'll wind up picking one, and and I know, like I, I happened, I was able to read through your bio, Michael. Yeah. The listeners at least should be aware. It's kind of like um, when a Unitarian person, whether minister or not, or a Christian person, minister or not, but when they both say the word God, yeah, they have two very different definitions. So sometimes even conversations like we're having can be confusing. You and I may be know where we're coming from or what we're talking about but a listener 
could come away with a different experience of our conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's hilarious, yes, actually. Yes, yes. And and words are all we have, but words can get in the way. But I think you're right on it. I mean, at least for me, I, you know, I'm not a very, I'm not a nuts and bolts kind of person. I, I'm more interested in the transformation, if any, that occurs. And so um, it did make me change my view of, uh, I, w- I was a biblical literalist. Um, I was probably more fundamentalistic in my interpretation of Christianity. And all that shifted, but for me it was for the better. Um, but I always go back to the the practicum of, you know, whatever it is I say I believe, experiences all play a part in that. Um, it's about my relationship with with creation and my the planet and just all of creation. And so that's that's how it because as you were saying, if if I subscribe to reincarnation, which I do, and 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 what I was told, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, that's 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 where I'm coming from. And the flip side is, is that if you believe the Bible is the literal word of God, then that's what you're going to believe. And so it's going to it's going to color the way the experiences we experience the experiences. In a lot of ways, and and uh, I mean that's just that's just human nature. Yeah, it's just it's interesting. I've seen it. It always comes down to a, a choice. If you believe or align yourself with the entities, Nordics, Gray, whatever, you do reject the Bible eventually, and the more or less orthodox view of Christianity. Yeah. And if you do believe the Bible and the orthodox view of what will what passes for. American mainstream Christianity, anyway, you'll wind up rejecting the entities and their teachings. Yes, that—that's the clearest cut thing I've seen, and it's not—I I don't, I don't even have to put it in. I'm not trying to put it in a lens of what's wrong or right or who's no, right or wrong. And I, and I'm not, but that is always the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. Luke wanted to add, Luke, to yeah. add something. Uh, I, this is the first time I've heard uh, this Nordics term. Could you explain what that is for me and the listeners? What a what a Nordic is? Like Michael's had a few. Yeah, I've been meeting a few of late. Well, okay, I'll go. I'll go quickly, brother, and I'll let you go. Um, the the Nordics are um, a group of a race of star visitors that many people will will say are coming from the Palladian star system, and they're called Nordics because they're they're they're, they're the most human or humanoid looking of. Of the, of the races, uh, so they're blonde hair, very the ones I saw were were blonde, uh, 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 blue eyes, very pale skin, very muscular. They were guys, very and, and, and very tall. And I'm six one, um, and so that's the and, and at one time uh, they were mostly. I have friends in Europe who are experiencers, and um, you know they were they were seen in Europe a lot. I mean, it's almost like the Greys weren't. You know, and there are many uh, species of greys. The greys were in North America, and a lot of the Nordics were seen in Europe. But that I believe, like Billy Meyer, yes. was one of the guys. You're right? Yeah, yes, Billy Meyer, yeah. and 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 so um, and so people call them Nordics for short. Some people call say the Palladians and the Nordics are the same. Okay. Yeah, he's right. Uh, tall, blue-eyed, blonde, 
I'm sorry if there's a, I don't mean this connotation, but Hitler's master race, for example. Right. Yeah. And yeah. people would exactly. compare them to, people would compare them to good angels yeah. as well. Yes. At least with their beliefs so in, in their appearance. So what are some defining characteristics, you know, between um, them and just a normal blonde haired, blue eyed person? Well, I think like the height was one the of them. Okay. Yeah. I did, the yeah, but what I want to throw in on that is that they're very good looking, tall, blue-eyed blonde men, and if you look at all the illustrations, especially from the 50s, when the whole Nordic thing really kicked in more, yeah. is they're also very tall, long-haired, extremely busty females. Yes. And stepping back, it always makes me feel like it's whatever you'll fall for. If it takes a blue-eyed blonde with biggins or whatever like that to get your <laughs> attention, they're going to they're going to show you one, and you're going to believe every word she says, and you're going to like every minute of it. Suddenly, I'm a lot more interested in, in the Nordics. <laughs> right. Well, you know, we have one guest, uh, Olaf Phillips, that was on, and it was one that uh, Luke, you weren't here for, but uh, you know, he, he his point of view is that all like all this stuff is like our government or comes from Earth, and he says like the Nordics are are actually Nazis. Really? That's his, that's his, <laughs> oh. yeah, that's his, uh, but I want to get on to, uh, talk about your book, Michael, a little bit, and, uh, have, as you talk about it, have Guy chime in a little bit too, um, and, you know, you do talk about the Palladians in the book, and, uh, I, I want to get some of your view, especially on, like, the nature of, uh, Yahweh, and as that opposes to the, whether you, Yahweh, is a real God or whether that, you know, there is a higher God than Yahweh. Well, I, you know, coming, you know, coming up in the background, I did, I didn't question and I just kind of brought it hook, line and sinker. But then, you know, when I started really reading and looking and, um, and granted, you know, people were, these are people's interpretations, but I, I, I was thinking that what kind of God would basically, uh, say, go into this land and kill men, women, and children? What kind of God would kill the firstborn Egyptians just to prove a point? What kind, you know, and I started reading and, and, and looking at some of the pericopes and some of the verses, and I said, this this does not seem like a God that I would want to um, uh, really be involved with, for lack of a better word. And so after after I started uh, looking at it, from that lens, I started to, to think that maybe uh, this being is an astronaut. And because of the technology and of, of just the sheer awe of, of, of being in the presence of this individual, of course, who's worshipped. Um, very concerned with, um, Yahweh's very concerned with, you know, you, you're my people and, and you got to get circumcised. You know, you, you got to, there's certain dietary laws and don't, don't, don't mess with these other gods, and I'm sure there were other uh, there were other astronauts in the area in the vicinity, and so you know jockeying for positions and things like that, and so that made me think that um, that maybe the being that I was brought up with uh, may not be the deity that I want to be worshiping, and I'm I'm just giving you the truncated version of that, and right. so. Um, but I still believe then and believe now in a creator, if you will, not in any anthropomorphic sense, 
uh, but that to me the universe is intelligent um, and that there are certain laws that we have to adhere to and and that those laws it doesn't mean that you won't have challenges in your life but that they can make your life there's some wisdom to be garnered and and they're not they're not so esoteric i mean what you reap what you sow uh, we call it karma or cause and effect. That is a universal law. If I go out on my roof and jump off, you know, no angel is going to keep me from dashing my foot against the stone. I'm going to go splat. Um, what I put out will come back to me. That's a basic law. Uh, how one treats one's neighbor, those types of things. Yeah. What? Okay, okay. Were you gonna... Me? Uh, oh, I've okay. got thoughts. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to say earlier, I'm totally with you on what you on. By your fruits, you'll know them, and I mean that as individuals and human beings, and the way you treat people, and the way you act when no one's looking. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. That's always the best determiner of what you believe and how you act. Yeah. And totally with you on that. Would you say, uh, Mike, that you subscribe just to pretty standard cut and dry Gnosticism with your view of Yahweh, etc.? I'm like Gnosticism, the God Sophie, Sophia, and that whole pantheon. Well, I would say definitely Gnosticism as to saying that the answers that I need are within me. Because I would say, because if I'm part of all that is or God, then I'm not separate. My 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 theology is, is has gotten rid of a lot of the dualism uh, because I found that at least for me, um, you know, it was very problematic. So I would say that all of creation, to use the words the Palladians use, um, is part of the all that is, and that there's not this this separateness. Uh, Yahweh is not even in my uh, on my radar anymore. Um, you know, one of the, one of the the uh, I'm I'm looking at the Hebrew translation now of the book of Ezekiel, and I, I'm I'm looking at chapter four, verse twelve, and um, the Lord, now sometimes the Lord and God are used interchangeably, so I don't know, uh, but th this, this being is called the Lord, and the Lord is telling Ezekiel to eat excrement on a piece of bread. And uh, I'm looking at verses 12 through 15, and I'm like, is this what the Lord wants us to do? What kind of God would have? And this is not metaphorically. I'll read it to you. Uh, this is the Hebrew translation. Oh, you're right. Yeah. It says, um, verse 12, um, eat it as a barley cake. You shall bake it on human excrement before their eyes. So, said the Lord, shall the people of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations to which I will banish them. So I'm thinking, oh, it's it's metaphorically. But then the next verse says, <laughs> then, then the next, uh, Ezekiel says, Lord God, my person was never defiled, nor have I eaten anything that died of itself or was torn by beasts from my mouth until now, nor has foul flesh entered my mouth. In other words, Lord God, I keep kosher. The Lord answered me, see, I allow you cow's dung instead of human excrement. Prepare your bread on that. And I'm thinking, what a guy. Okay, so I don't have to eat human excrement. I'll eat the cow's dung. And, you know, of course, no one's going to preach this on Sunday or it's going to be on, on Friday. Yeah. But but these are things that either we're taught to overlook or make pretend they're not there. But they are there. 
and 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 if and if and if and if um, more orthodox brothers and sisters say this is the literal word, this is the word of God, then what what is one to make of that? I mean that's rhetorical, but those are the kinds of verses and things I would read, and I would say, now wait a minute, what 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 do I do with that? What do I do when the Lord says, um, looking in Jeremiah? 13, uh, uh, 14, uh, verse 14, and I will smash them one against the other, parents and children alike, declares the Lord. No pity, compassion, or mercy will stop me from destroying them. Now, my good friend and colleague, Dr. Barry Downing, um, who is a mentor and just, you know, one of my heroes, he says, well, Michael, the Lord's ways are not our ways. And I'm saying, well, you better believe it if I'm reading something like that. <laughs> um, and so those were the things that I had to say that that doesn't resonate with me. I can't just ignore that. And but but then when I started reading and studying and, 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 and thinking about this ancient astronaut theory, it started to make sense to me when I said, if I put the word uh, star visitor or I don't like the word alien, but uh, wherever I see the word angel, because angel's messenger, it made more sense to me. It didn't take away my faith in, in the teachings of Jesus. Um, now, you know, it's not as orthodox as, uh, it's interesting, as a Unitarian, I'm too Christian for Unitarians and not Christian enough for my orthodox brothers. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, when I moved to Roswell, I had oh, that book I told you about. Yes. The UFO Museum wouldn't carry it because it dealt with religion. And then the main, the <laughs> Christian bookstore on Main Street wouldn't carry it. Why? Because it dealt with UFOs. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, first of all, I just want to say this before I forget. It, you know, I'm really glad that Adam set this up. I'm really glad to meet you. And now I can watch you again on my DVD. Um because I did enjoy it, and I, I, I oh, months ago I got it on. Amazon. Yeah, I was pretty hamming it up back in the. Oh no, it, it was wonderful. <laughs> oh, that, I was having, we have to have a good time that year. But we have to have this conversation because I don't know if spirituality and religion. I don't know if if, if technology and religion are really the distant cousins that 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 we sometimes make them to be. I, I will say this, brother Malone, that I think our spirituality is not mature enough to handle the technology that we have. I, I will say that the technology, we worship that as if we want to talk about false gods. Uh, I think I think that we're dangerously close. Maybe we've gone past the point of no return. To worship, technology will save us. Technology will make everything better. It will cure our ills. Um, I, I think that this is the empire. This is part of living an empire. Mm -hmm. well, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, for and, sure. it, yeah. and it's, it's it's out of hand, man. To me, to me personally, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's gotten it out of hand. Um, so you know, I think we need to have this conversation. I think that we're a good one-two punch, if you will. Um, um, maybe one day we'll do something together at a conference or something, but. Um, because we, we have to ask the uncomfortable questions. We have to get people to think ourselves oh, as yeah. well. I agree. But anyway, I've been rambling. I want to hear your take, brother. I'm sorry. Well, I'm kind of in my mind going back through some of the things you said that um, 
a lot, some of what you said is kind of standard objections to Christianity, and I'm not even a objections to Christianity 101 expert or anything. Yeah. But like the dietary restrictions, for example, it's all the stuff that modern science teaches us is really bad for our bodies. Shrimp and pork and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> even the, uh, destro- the destruction of the tribes, I'm sure with all of your studies, you're familiar with the fallen angels intermarrying with human yes, women Genesis, in, in Genesis, Genesis 6, right. And yeah, what, what, what God was instructing people to wipe out were these half-angel hybrid evil beings and so on and so forth. And as far as the, uh, the excrement or the, you know, the cow or whatever like that, yeah. uh, you said it's a rhetorical question. I'll, I'll give you my personal answer sure. to that. Sure. You know, if, if God put me in that position... And, and if I believed it was really God, and well, you know, if He gave me that same choice, um, I, c- I can tell you what my answer would be: I'm going to eat shit. Yeah. Because if it's God, it's for real. And just like the dietary restrictions or some other stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, His ways are not our ways. We don't understand everything, and there's all kinds of old and even New Testament passages. I still, I would not pretend to understand, to tell you, I know what that means. Yeah. Uh, relationship wise though, I can trust that it is, uh, from, if it's from God, you know, I'll eat it on bread, whatever but, but, it is. Pardon my language, by the way, sorry, <laughs> everyone else around here. But I didn't even tell him what I was going to say, but I asked Adam's permission. Why not? Uh, I did ask his permission. Can I say this four-letter word on the air? <laughs> I didn't tell no, him I what I was but, but, do. I, but I mean, but I, I'm hearing you, and that, that kind of obedience, I think, is, is really commendable. And I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, placating. But I'm saying, why tell me not to eat shrimp? And all these dietary restrictions, and then tell me manure. I mean, I mean, I mean. I, I think with obedience, we still don't have to give up, um, you know, common sense. I, 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 I think, I think that there has to be um, both. And 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 so, I mean, yes. And and we can we could debate the dietary restrictions. What were they for? Uh, you know. But I, I guess those were the things. You know, what kind of God is jealous? Uh, uh, why, why do I have to go? I mean, we have a lot of Native American brothers and sisters who, you know, they're, they're like, they hear the story of when they go into the, the land of milk and honey, and there are people already there. But this God says, you can go in there and you murder them. That's your land. You know, so there are a lot of things that we can intellectualize and, and say, well, you know, those ways are not my ways. But it's still, it, 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 if we're going to say it happened, and, and morally, how does one justify that? God's ways are not my ways, so I can go and slaughter these people. I can eat excrement. I can eat. So, so those were those were just some of the things that that made me, uh, you know, say, well, I don't know. Maybe there's another explanation for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, of course, it would cause. Yeah, I, I see it. Yeah, I wasn't raised with Christianity, and much of that objection, so to speak, mm-hmm. it's the kind of stuff that came out of my mouth back when I used to proudly say I would eat my Christian friends for lunch if they ever wanted to get into a debate with me yes. and stuff like that. And I remember, like you mentioned, Barry Downing. Yeah. You had an email or two with with him, and you, you can imagine that probably didn't go very well overall. But you reminded me of something when you were talking about, you, you were touching on a line of thought, actually. I got in a little bit of trouble 
at a conference in Washington, D.C. before Steve Bassett and I had really connected and made friends. Yeah. I was just a vendor um, at his first, I think it was the first or second X conference. And you know Stephen Greer, or you know Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, he was a speaker there, and I had just a little paper on my, I had a table where I had a couple books uh, still early in this. Most of what I had available was one-page flyers, front and back, yes. various topics, various writings. And one of them was a, uh, a challenge to Stephen Greer, because um, he made the statement, something about UFOs not causing harm or something like that. And I had it on a web page at the time that was a rebuttal to all the death and destruction caused by UFOs. And it was kind of a challenge to Stephen Greer, open letter style. But after the first night of the conference, that opening Friday night where everybody shows up, there may be a cocktail party, there may be a special speaker or an event if you paid X dollars. So the vendor room closes and I come in the next day. And the entire stack of paperwork rebutting Stephen Greer's statements had disappeared. What? Yeah, yeah. Which meant you, that somebody you mean in that authority, somebody stole them. Or took them? Yeah, somebody in authority, <laughs> and I'm going to guess it would have to be Steve Bassett, and I don't fault him for it from a conference organizer perspective. He unlocked the vendor room. He went to my table and he took away the whole stack off the table. There was a big gaping hole in my table the next morning. Oh my. So by somebody stole it, it meant that the conference organizer made a judgment call to take it away because he's paying and honoring Steve Greer to be here. You got some vendor nobody knows from New Mexico rebutting him. And and funny thing was, though, I just opened up my suitcase, yeah. pulled out another stack because I had more in case I ran out <laughs> uh, of all my flyers and put it out there and, and nothing was said. But one of the things that, that came to mind, uh, the reason, gosh, sorry, I, I can take 40 years to walk around Egypt <laughs> to tell a story. <laughs> Sorry about that. Is that um, a lot of people don't, I've heard it said over and over and over again that all the UFO encounters, this is, you know, Barry Dowling, yes. that they were really angels, you know, that primitive, superstitious, pre-technological human beings would see UFOs and aliens and from their stupidity mislabeled them gods and angels mm -hmm. and spiritual phenomena and i finally uh, and this has to do with the paper that's that i was talking about that's why it ran through my mind yeah. is that um i finally took the position you know what i think it's honestly it's that our post technological society now when we witness or even experience the supernatural it's us who choose to superimpose a scientific explanation on the on what's occurring. It, the, the old argument is people would witness angel or aliens and UFOs and they would call them gods because they were stupid and didn't know any better. But now I think we're instead of being stupid, we're stuck up. And whenever the supernatural occurs, we try to force a scientific explanation to fit. And that's a materialist viewpoint. Yeah. Good, good point. Right. Yeah, but when something supernatural happens, we have to explain it with science. And I just think whether it's God or angels is that it's to our detriment that we try to superimpose a scientific explanation on, oh, they're aliens from another 90 billion light years away that primitive men misinterpreted. Well, let me add this to that. Um, what you're saying is um, one thing that I've noticed through doing this podcast is 
that uh, we tend to pigeonhole phenomenon into different categories. Bingo. We tend to say this is a UFO category, this is a ghost category, this is Bigfoot or Mothman, or cryptozoology, whatever, or this is uh, you know a hallucinogenic experience or, or whatever. We tend to pigeonhole. Uh, I, I think there's some people out there that uh, that see it as possibility that this could all be the same phenomenon. It's just different aspects. Yeah, I would too. And Michael even touched on it beautifully. You said um, back in your earlier years, you know, an entity suddenly appearing in your bedroom, that's a horrific experience. Well, it's because you don't have a box for it in, our, in your brain yet. But if it happens so many times in your lifetime, you're used to it. You have a label for it. You, you, you categorize it. Yeah. And then you can accept it without being fearful. And you're right. Our, our minds and our nature and our society, we tend to define things and place them into categories and, and that's every you know that's every topic under the sun and i, I just i kind of have to agree with or what was being said earlier is i just don't think that you can actually there, there are times where we just don't have the words yeah and that's okay and that's okay and that's you get okay. to a point where you can be okay with that that's okay well i really don't know the answer to that question and that's you know, back to an hour ago. That's why I said I know. I know I like you better than most, Michael. Well, I appreciate it, brother. Because I <laughs> we don't have to agree, no, but <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, no, but 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 we don't have to. But you know, we don't have to think alike to love alike. Uh, but right. but I wanted to bring up something. Oh my God! It also, you know, talking about the technology and what have you, and with our our ancient ancestors, you know. It, but it also brings up another question, and I don't know the answer to this. But is a miracle, or what we would call a miracle, is it more of a technological feat or, or laws that we don't yet understand? Uh, uh, you know, because some of the things that happen, uh, let's say some of the things were caused by, by you know, superior technology. It, what, so how does one even define what a quote-unquote miracle is? Could it be, a, you know, a Robert, R.L. Dion wrote a book, what, back in the 70s? Does God drive a flying saucer? Saucer, yeah. Right. Uh, I didn't agree with his, his hypothesis, but it, it did raise those questions. Uh, some of the things that we see, if it's caused by higher technology, is that really a miracle? Or is it just some laws of nature that we as human beings have not yet come to understand? Yeah, before Kitty Hawk, you know, two men flying around in an airplane, that was a miracle. Exactly, exactly. So, so it, 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 you know, as, as this phenomenon goes, it always brings more questions than answers. But I think that one of the reasons that people are um, listening to you, Brother Malone, because people are hungry for, you know, there's got to be something more. It's got to be something. Thanks, yeah. And, and you I, I, I have experienced that, that, actually. Yeah, and that's why people are going to keep flocking to you. Uh, hopefully they'll keep coming to, to, to listen to me because if you notice, well, at least in my experience, there are not a lot of religious scholars or ministers talking about this. Uh, that may be in closed little groups or whatever, but I'm, I'm talking about like you're at Roswell, you know, I'm on television, and, and it, it intrigues people. And they want to know uh, more about uh, the, the, the spiritual, the religious. And I think it's a good thing because um, 
because just the nuts and bolts, the other people, I mean, how, 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 how am I going to live after I look one of these beings in the eyes and, and, and have to get up the next morning and go out here and deal with uh, my other brothers and sisters? Uh, uh, that, to me, that's, that's what gets me going. You know? We're here. Uh, just uh, We're kind of running out of time. But I just wanted to kind of get you on, Michael. Talk about you know uh, your book, where it's available, how people can get it, and then I want to kind of close this out. Okay, um, thank you. Uh, um, you can pick up both my books, Alien Scriptures and uh, A New World, if you can take it. They're on Amazon. Um, you can you can pick them up there. Um, keep checking out Ancient Aliens. Uh, I think one of the shows we taped will be on this Friday. I taped some shows in July. And I just want to say again to all you brothers, it was a pleasure being on the show. Thank you for coming on. Good hearing you again. And it was, it was excellent to have this give and take between you both. I'm I'm so glad to have gotten you guys together. Um, The, my uh, goal in this was you guys have had uh, similar experiences and how you interpreted them, or how you interpret them for each one of you is different. And I think that that's something that we've we've come to on this show is trying to interpret the, these experiences through our own lenses. And I'm glad that you guys could come out and do this with me tonight. Yeah, let's do it again. Yeah, right absolutely. On, let's actually, do it again. Because actually, Michael is extremely well spoken and educated, and I'm okay too, I guess. But what is funny, what I found in the whole field of ufology is that it doesn't matter how well you or I say what we believe and what big words we use, yes. most people think we're nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. that in itself creates a, a sort of a unity or a brethren. People used to ask me often, I mean, Christians that were grounded in their, you know, Baptist great. church, yep. don't drink, don't smoke, lifestyle and all that stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they would ask me sometimes, wait a minute, you go to these conferences and it's nothing but new agers and people that are hostile to blah, 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 and you just go to them and have a table and don't they run you out? Don't they yell at you? And my answer is exactly what you were saying almost is that what I found was people are extremely hungry for answers. If they're an experiencer or they just have an intellectual curiosity they are taking their paid vacations, traveling five states away yes. to pay for to go to a UFO conference because they want answers. And if you're there, as long as you're calm, yeah, reasonable, and say what you have to say, they want to hear they it. They do. They're and they can walk around and they go to the next table and they go to yeah. the next speaker. But they're hungry but the, for it. They're, and, 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 and because, you know what, if you have something that people genuinely need to hear, they're going to come to you to hear it. They know, they may not even say it the way we're saying it, but they know that it's, there's got to be something more. There's got to be yeah. something more. And I think we provide that or at least raise questions for it. Well, gentlemen, I think we could talk about this for hours. Yes. But uh, Luke, I think it's it's getting close to his bedtime. Yeah. Do you, do you think at the? You think we can find? Yo, I'm talking to you. Go ahead. <laughs> you, you, you were doing that, okay? Yeah. You, you think we can find uh, the next conference that the 
the Monster Energy drinks e- our evil lady is at. And- <laughs> no, the Monster Energy drinks is actually a 666, because if you look at the Hebrew letter yeah, for yeah, six. Yeah, I, yeah. I watched her yeah. whole, uh, oh, no. her whole spiel on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That was, that I was, don't believe that stuff, that was real, actually. When that it, was real special. When it comes up. <laughs> But anyway, Michael, thank you for coming on, and hold on to the hold on the line for us just a bit, okay. and uh, we're gonna close out this segment. We'll be back on Conspiranormal. Hey guys, welcome back to Conspiranormal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm in, I'm your indifferent co-host. <laughs> That's right, Luke, doing all that drawing and and and, and, and watching skate videos you on your phone. Is <laughs> <and laughs> my nephew skating, man? <laughs> Oh, you gotta watch that, you know. Yeah. Adam had to bribe me over here with beers, and and we ran out. Little happen, little happen, Harry's. Have we run out already? Uh, no, I don't think so. I was just being courteous and like, okay. not, not drinking all of them. I gotcha. Okay. Well, um, I thought that went very well. And guy, you're still here with us. And yeah, I think it went really well too. I like the way you set it up to where it wasn't going to be a debate, and we both knew that. Yeah. I didn't want to, and it's just. Neither of us was trying to interrupt or talk over the other or prove each other wrong, and I think we both listened to each other and we both learned something. That's awesome. I think um, you know my original kind of idea for it was kind of like I wanted to do like a debate thing because I've like you know I've heard like Derek Gilbert do stuff like that on his show, and but uh, you know you know in talking to you we kind of had this agreement that it should be more like a discussion kind of format, and I had like you know very little questions, you know, and I think it just kind of like jogged you guys into just kind of talking the good give and take. Um, I think it's good too. You guys kind of, in some ways you guys do kind of come from a similar background, but, uh, you know, as I said before, I really like the kind of like that interpretation that, you know, the fact that some two people can have two different experience, can have a very similar experiences and, but come out, come Get out of it something completely different, right? You know, if I could spit out my words, it'd be awesome. <laughs> More words tonight. Words, yeah, words are hard. Uh, well, guy, we wanted to thank you for coming on, and also too, um, you know, we've got Rob here. He's helping us out with the sound. Say hello, Rob, to everybody. Hey guys. <laughs> hey, Rob. But uh, guy, you know, the time we got left here, just tell us like your, um, you know, where people can contact you, where they can get some oh, yeah. of your material that you've written. Yeah, my personal site is alienstranger.com. Oh, yes. And then the big comprehensive organization, so to speak, alienresistance.org. And that is some of my work along with many others in the field that I'm affiliated with all kind of fall under one banner. Links galore, hours and hours and hours and hours of education. And uh, as well as all those conferences we talked about, they're available for free watching on uh, video. Probably like 40, 40 lectures by now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've actually got, I think I've got a video of one like you, and then there's another one like of uh, Joe Jordan. And also, I'm glad this kind of is going to segue into next week. I'm glad that you brought up David Jacobs, because I'm going to have him on next week. Oh, right on. Yeah. Good for you. You know, I invited him to a conference years ago, um, and he was, uh, he told me he was shopping schools with his son that summer, yeah. and it was his he was a senior and they had, or he's going to be a senior. They had to go to college. Good for you. I'd have loved to meet him. He's one of the few people in the field that I haven't gotten to meet that I've always wanted to. 
yeah, he's. Um, I'm very excited about it. You know, he's he's kind of one of like the original guys that were you know doing all this research back in like the 80s and stuff. Yeah, he's he's got 40 years of UFO research. He's probably in his one of the bio. few that's left. Could like, be 50 Hopkins now. Is gone. John right. Hopkins yeah. is gone. Yeah, I met Bud once too. And so, but you know, you mentioned that, and like here's someone that comes from a very you know secular viewpoint, and you know, but he's one of the few I think that in that in that field from the secular viewpoint that sees um, the, this phenomenon as, as kind of a threat, you know, in fact, you know, his second book, it's called Hence the name, (laughs) but uh, really interested in having him on. So, and then uh, we got two more shows in December. We got Thad McCracken coming on and then John Tinney coming back on. So McCracken, we're going to talk about gongitating and uh, sexual, yeah, gongitating. I should put that you in as a keyword. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that I'm appalled by it. Yeah, <laughs> your, your I'm lingo, just shocked. Take my lingo. voice off of this. <laughs> if, uh, any, if anybody <laughs> liked to order my t-shirt, uh, you know, with my face on it. Uh, oh, do we have a t-shirt? You can, you can personally email me. And I'll, I'll, have, I'll go to the mall and have you one made. Yeah. I'm, I'm the indifferent co-host, <laughs> and Luke's always looking for chi- looking for ladies for his holodex. Whoa, so. whoa, whoa! Well, <laughs> well, Kira, don't listen to this. So. She might. She might be like Luke. Uh, we need to talk, and just and just not even tell me what the text is. I mean, what the talk is about? I have to find out like after work, like hours later, what we're talking about. <laughs> well, guy, I want to thank you for being here tonight. And, Thanks for uh, dinner too. Absolutely, and having me back. Absolutely. Thank you for coming back. Here in the underground bunker. You're invited to come in anytime. Oh yeah, we're in the with the bookshelves. And Rob, thank you for you know, kind of being the silent partner and monitoring the sound and everything. And uh, we're gonna be back thank next you. week, guys. Back on Conspiranormal. It's okay if I threw in right there. <laughs>
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.